Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And I think that probably the last three years has been the most difficult time since I've been adulting in watching how families have had to interact both with the pandemic and with growing concerns about youth mental health. A recent CDC report has really confirmed what a lot of us could believe from the sidelines, which is that our young people are really suffering, especially young adolescent females. Dr. Jim Polo joins us to talk about this really alarming trend and what maybe you can do as a parent if your kid is struggling. So this is a topic that Regents has been thinking about a lot as well. How so? Oh, yes. There's just no question that the children and adolescents have been struggling for a number of years. I mean, well before the pandemic. And yeah. the pandemic has made things worse for everybody, but it's especially made things worse for adolescents. And so, you know, a lot of the recent studies that are coming out are really kind of revealing the, the sheer impact and significance of what kids today struggle with. I was fascinated to see that more than two-thirds of females openly admit to struggling with severe anxiety and depression. Oh, they're, yes. And they're not just saying that I'm sad some days, that this is people who have actually thought about either self-harming or suicide. Yes. So first of all, the what the CDC does is they do what's called a, a youth risk behavior survey. They do it every two years. It's national for children that are between ninth uh, and 12th grade. And they survey about 17 to 20,000 kids. So lots of data. And uh, basically the trends in terms of, of the data have been getting worse for the last 10 years. Wow. But what was most significant on this last survey, 2021, is it shows that that it's worsening for our female adolescents. Mm -hmm. and, and essentially, almost 60% of young female adolescents are reporting symptoms of persistent sadness, persistent hopelessness, yeah. which is twice what the boys are reporting. Now, keep in mind, boys and girls are both getting worse, but girls much more so. I heard one report, a physician kind of likening it to the onslaught of adolescence is coming where they're entering puberty much earlier with the added complication of the isolation of the pandemic and also the difficulty of the most socialization happening with just their phones. Talk to me about those two issues. How important do you think those are? So those are very important issues. Yeah, so let's touch first on the biological issue. For the last couple of, of years, many years, the data has demonstrated that young girls are hitting puberty at an earlier age. Mm. And what's important to recognize is that, you know, girls don't necessarily know what's happening to their own bodies. They're becoming young little women. They may not be emotionally prepared for that. Sometimes they are afraid. And we forget that they're young. And so a young little 10-year-old that's suddenly all of a sudden developing into puberty may not be ready to begin to make that transition. So parents mm -hmm. need to be sensitive to that. Now, from a social perspective, and this is something that started well be before the pandemic, kids have changed how they communicate. They've yeah. changed how they use social media to engage with peers, with friends, with groups. And one of the challenges with social media is once something's out there, it's out there for good. So yeah. for example, cyberbullying has gone up, even though real-time bullying in school has gone down. 
mm-hmm. the challenge with cyberbullying is you can get re-traumatized over and over and over again because it's it's out there for good and it can be shared, it can be sent back, it can be replicated. It's it's always going to be there to impact. There's a lot of social factors in terms of what's really propelling challenges for adolescents that are growing up in a very difficult period of time. I think it's an exclamation point when you see parents so concerned about their kids' mental health that raising a kid who may have a mental health concern is more alarming to them than the risk of abduction, than the risk of accident, than the risk of any other childhood factor. I mean, when we were growing up, you know, my parents were always like, don't talk to strangers. And that was the big risk. That's nowhere near the top of concerns for parents nowadays. It's all about how how to manage their kids' mental health. So what kind of advice are you giving to parents that are saying, I am stuck. I don't know what else to offer my kid. Yeah. So first of all, parents need to start very early in their child's life, encouraging them, being positive, uh, helping to build their self-esteem. You can't start with a teenager just because now they're having a problem. You have to really kind of set the stage very early. Children thrive on connection. They need peers. They need close family. They need good adult role models. And you really have to think about what you're trying to do with your young child is you're helping them to grow into a world where they can eventually be on their own and take care of themselves. Mm. And as a child grows, you can expand whatever the limits are, but it is important still. Kids need rules, regulations. It gives them a sense of security. It gives them a sense of love. They're able to have that sense of, of protection before they're even aware of how to protect themselves. Now, one of the most important things for all parents is to maintain really strong, open communication. And and open communication really means listening, Mm -hmm. asking your child about what they're thinking. How did their day go? What did they do with their one friend, whatever. And you have to be able to work it into whatever your activities are. If you, if you sit down with a child and say, Hey, we're going to have a chat. That's very different than just asking when you're on the way home from soccer mm-hmm. or talking with your child while, while you're making uh, tomorrow's lunch. So it's really important to listen very carefully and listening with an empathetic ear. Growing up is hard. Yeah. Lots of confusion, lots of challenges, lots of peer issues. So it's about listening to see what they're experiencing and being supportive rather than trying to fix everything right away. You know, it was interesting parenting, Dr. Polo, where the time that you might want to have the talk is like, okay, you're headed out to a middle school party. I want to talk to you. I know they're not interested, but you know, they get home late at 1030 and they're having a snack. And it's almost like when they don't have to look in your eyes face to face, that they can have those open ended conversations with parents. And so I found driving in the car, making snacks, the things that didn't require that were sitting down and really conversing seemed to help bridge that openness. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I tell parents all the time, anytime your kid wants to talk is a good time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and and by the same token, it's important to remember that sometimes kids don't want to talk. Yeah. And you don't want to make an argument over it. You don't want to push really hard. They need space and time. Sometimes kids need to kind of spend a little bit of time in their own little thoughts, but they will eventually be able to communicate with you 
you've just got to give them lots of openings. I um, am always pretty concerned when I hear parents say, oh, yeah, my kid says he's depressed, too, but I think it's just a cry for attention. Just scares me. How do you respond to that? You know, it's interesting. And any time a kid is looking for attention, that all by itself is a problem, because if Mm -hmm. they're looking for attention, something is going on. So even if that's what they think is happening, something is still going on. One of the things to remember is that little girls, little boys kind of experience uh, potential symptoms of depression in a different way. Girls tend to get sad, hopeless. Boys tend to get anger, irritable. Mm. Boys tend to become more aggressive externally. Girls tend to be more internally withdrawn. And And self-destructive. And self-destructive, right. And oddly enough, aggression from a boy has really also ramped up at the same time that we're seeing increases of depression in girls because we're noticing an increased prevalence of girls that report violence against them and sexual violence against them, not so in boys, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's important as a parent to recognize, well, first of all, is my child changing from what their baseline is? Mm -hmm. And is that change an occasional thing? Is it a permanent thing? Are they changing friends? Are they suddenly withdrawn? Are they doing something, you know, different that they didn't do before? Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? It's, It's very important to make sure that you're aware of, is your child suddenly different? Mm from whatever their baseline was. Now, kids do grow and develop, and obviously they change over time. But if there's a sudden change that doesn't seem to make sense, that's a time to begin to really open the communication and figure out if something's going on. You know, Dr. Polo, I was listening to the Facebook meta people defending themselves on Capitol Hill against all of the data that showed they knew that teenage girls in particular would really suffer with their apps. They knew that it exacerbated things like cutting, depressive symptoms, suicidality. And they were saying that using uh, social media apps, that causation doesn't, the correlation doesn't equal causation. But then I looked at the CDC data comparing it to when people started using social media apps. And I think it does equal causation because you see the rise in these mental illnesses as profoundly as you see the adaptation of girls starting to use this and rely solely on it as their means of communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's no question that social media is going to continue to grow and morph and change. And so the reason why that's important is I always tell parents, you need to be very attuned and aware of what your child is doing with their phone. Yeah. What what sites are they going to on the web? And obviously when they're young, you want to be more restrictive. And as they get older, you want to be looking in a different way because, you know, yeah. sometimes those adolescents get onto to websites that actually put them at grave risk. So right. talking with kids early about the dangers of web and internet and phone, but also keeping a pulse is very important as a parent. I think the the other thing that comes to mind is that the pandemic has pushed us in the direction of separating socially. And of course, one of the things that we would tell people during the pandemic is, hey, you should try to connect online because it's better than not connecting at all. Right. But now that we've really come out of that, it's important to remember there's tremendous value in that real connection, being with a friend, being with, with somebody in person, talking. You can't replicate that online. You can come close, but it's still not quite 
ever the same. And the thing about online communication is that, you know, to some degree, it, it can sometimes be a veneer. In other words, mm-hmm. what you're presenting of yourself is not completely real. And yeah. what others are presenting of themselves is not completely real. Yeah. I came on the plane back with a young, very conscientious dad who was talking about the difficulty that his seven-year-old daughter, very good soccer player, was having because two of the teammates on her team had Instagram pages that their parents ran for them. And they had thousands of followers and she still didn't have a phone. And I said, you know, they might appear to have something now, but the moment that they go through a period that's awkward or they get braces or whatever, it's going to to turn upside down. So you have to hold steady with what your values are around the use of these things. So you're, you're touching on something that I think is really kind of amazing. We are now in a time period where some of our young parents grew up through this social media. Yeah. And so their perspective on the value or the ability to use it and, and so forth is different than those of us that grew up without social media. Yeah. You know, I, I have to be honest, you know, when it comes to Instagram, I don't even have the time to manage one for myself, yeah. let alone manage one for totally. somebody else. Kid. Okay. Exactly. Manage one for a child. Yeah. And, and anytime parents are getting in the business of trying to facilitate communication for their kids, mm. they run the risk that they're communicating in a way that doesn't really help the child. Yeah. You know, children need to communicate in an age appropriate manner with yeah. peers in an age appropriate setting. Adults creating that for them, not sometimes so helpful. And also, Dr. Polo, I'll just note that there has been a lot of investigation now that shows the people who follow those accounts tend, especially the males, they tend to be pedophiles. They're not just people, regular guys who are supportive of the kids' soccer. They tend to be pedophiles. So it can be very, very dangerous. You'd never know who's on the other end of the receiving of, of any kind of social media. And, you know, I worry about young kids that are communicating with people online that they've never even met. You know, it's one thing if, hey, uh, Joey down the block is a kid that just got a phone. I have a phone and we're texting back and forth. Isn't that cool? Yeah. But very different communicating with somebody they've never met and don't know who that individual could or couldn't be. Totally. I mean, I feel like I get trapped in catfishing that I have no idea how I got there. I can't imagine what that must be like for a young adolescent girl. Is there any other tips that you want to offer parents, especially when they're trying to decide, oh my gosh, is this serious enough that I should get professional help? If you notice a dramatic change in your child's behavior, they're getting into trouble more often, they're breaking rules, they're suddenly not going to school, their grades are going down, they're more sullen, they're withdrawn, they're changing uh, their friendship group. All of those can be signs that something is going on. Mm -hmm. One of the things that parents need to do through those open communication channels, what you want to transmit to your child is unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I'm your parent. I'm going to love you no matter what. I may not like the things that you do sometimes. I may not approve of the choices that you make, but no matter what, at the end of the day, I love you because you're, you're my child. Mm. And that kind of love is what helps a child sometimes open up because oftentimes when they are struggling, 
they're, they're very sensitive to how they open up and who they open up to because, you know, they're challenged with something that's really bothering to them and they need to open up to somebody they trust and they, they feel has their best interests at all. Especially around the issue of sexual violence. You know, I remember myself at that age, I didn't want to share any information with anyone ever. No. So, so you manage a lot of these experiences and the sadness that you might go through during those periods where you should have someone you can reach out to. And, you know, sometimes if it can't be a mom or a dad, it could be an aunt that you really, really trust, right? There's something else that I think is important. Parenting is hard. It's not easy. Yeah. So I tell parents all the time, first of all, you don't need to, you don't need to be perfect. It's okay to give yourself a break. It's also okay to make sure that you're focusing on yourself and taking care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't really take care of your kids. Mm. And then the other thing for parents is connect with other parents. Connect with people that you trust. Bounce ideas off of a good friend or an uncle or a brother. It's very hard to parent. You shouldn't have to necessarily go through it alone. Yeah, I love that, Dr. Polis. Thank you again. It's always such a pleasure to see you and how wonderful to catch up. Bye.